from the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School. This is Career Talk on Business Radio. Here is your host, Dr. Don Graham. And welcome to Career Talk, your career insider here on Business Radio. We are powered by the Wharton School, and we are on Sirius XM Channel 111, live every Thursday at noon Eastern Time. That's 9 a.m. Pacific. So if you're listening to us right now, give us a call at 844-WHARTON. That's 844-942-7866. We've got the Dream Team, Dion and Michelle, manning the booth, taking your calls, and we would love to hear from you. I'm Dr. Don Graham. I'm the Career Director for the Wharton MBA for Executives program here in Philadelphia. I'm also a licensed psychologist and former corporate recruiter. And today we are going to talk all about the gig economy. You've probably heard about this and, and most of you know about Uber and, and Lyft and some of the Airbnb and these types of things. But has this ever been something that you've been considering? Because today you're going to learn a lot more about it and it goes a lot deeper than any of us thought. And to help us with that, we welcome back a familiar face. Robin Ryan. Robin is the author of seven career books, including 60 Seconds and You're Hired and Over 40 and You're Hired. She's been a career counselor for 20 years and has appeared on over 1,500 TV and radio shows, including Oprah, CNN, and NPR. She is based in Seattle, and we are very excited to have her back on Career Talk today. Robin, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Well, Happy New Year. We haven't talked to you yet in 2017. What is what is new and exciting in your world, Robin? Oh, I am busy. I spoke at the SHRM conference two days ago, and SHRM is the Society of Human Resource Management, and I, it was a regional conference. I'm doing their national conference, one for talent and one for the whole SHRM, um, that attracts about 25,000 people. Holy and moly. And I'm also doing the... Um, International Conference for the American Society of Training and Development. So besides my regular things of writing a new book and dealing with my clients and working with them to help them find great jobs and speaking, I'm busy. Yeah, when are you sleeping? <laughs> uh, not very much. Not very much. Sure. So what's your new book about, Robin? It's on retirement. Oh, interesting. And looking at pre-retirees and people who are newly retired and wondering, how are you going to spend your time? And a lot of people are shocked to learn that they're going to have done like 9,000 days once they leave their, you know, their career. And I see this as the last stage of somebody's career. So, you know, what's it going to look like? Um, a lot of people are going to do some part-time gigs. The conversation you're having today um, really dovetails because you'd be amazed how many people that are in that 50s and 60s and even some in their 70s, they want a part-time gig, but they want to do something interesting, something fun. They don't want to, you know, stick um, you know, stick stamps on envelopes. That's not what they're looking for. Yeah, so uh, the gig economy is a, is a perfect conversation for that book. And I'm, I'm curious because you said you went to the Society of Human Resource Management Conference. Did this come up at all? Were they talking about trends and careers and, and you know, how the gig economy is going to play out in 2017? Uh, well, the answer to that question is that the International Conference for ASTD and the um, annual large, you know, the really large conference for SHRM, I'm speaking about that topic. So. Well, there you go. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, with the, it's changing so much. People think of the millennials and they think, okay, well, they're just doing the gig thing. But it isn't. It's the millennials, and then we have this whole group of people that are in their 50s and 60s. And on top of that, we have... The, that stay-at-home mom crowd that still wants to work part-time. They still want to keep their hand in a career, but they don't want to work full-time. So they're looking for stuff that's more gig-oriented, that they can, you know, craft out hours that work for them and work for the family. So it's a lot broader than people think. Yeah, and and I think we should even take a step back because I think a lot of people have heard this term gig economy, Robin, and they're like, well, I think I know what it is. It's Uber or it's it's Lyft or it's like Airbnb. But I think it's it's bigger than that. And, and like the official definition is a labor market characterized by the prevalence of short term contracts and freelance work as opposed to permanent jobs. And while that sounds exciting to some, I think it sounds terrifying to others because I think you read into that um, freelance work, non-permanent lack of security well lack of security also allows you for a lot of creativity 
And that doesn't necessarily mean that you won't go from one gig to another. For example, if you were to advertise yourself, let's say you're a graphic designer and you go to Elance and you advertise your skills, you can bid on different projects. So when you know something's going to be ending, you can actually go in and look at, okay, who, who are the people that are hiring now and who's got stuff out there? And you can bid on them how much you'd be an hour, what your background is. Um, people do these as a, as a real kind of a permanent, I mean, they see this as a more permanent situation. Now, some people that are doing Uber, that's a different situation. That's a lot of people that are saying, I need to make some extra money to fill in because I'm going to college, I'm going to graduate school, I got this going, I got a job, but I need some extra money. Um, you know, let, let's not confuse the fact that there are a lot of professionals that go from contract to contract. Look at the tech world. How many people in the tech world live on contracts? And they work a year, and then it comes to an end, and they got to find another contract. And they and I see people doing that for years. So um, you know, this is this is a lot more than just a oh, I'm just going to get a little part time job. You know, you're not going down to the local grocery store to get a part time job. Mm-hmm. This is not this. This is not what you and I are talking about. Yeah, and and there's a lot of terms out there that I think are are confusing because there's that term of portfolio career, which is again instead of a, a, a full-time job, you work multiple part-time jobs, and maybe you're you're a teacher in a university, and then during the day you do something else, and you know maybe you fill in time with, with consulting, and then there's right. um, Twilight Careers, which probably aligns with your new book in terms of, okay, I've, I've retired from what I'm doing for my primary com- career, now I'm going to do something else, and then there's, there's straight-up temp work, which is, okay, I go to an agency, they send me to this company for a week, and that company for a week, so right. these are all different things, though, right, Robin? They, they really are, and I think it has to start with the person. The individual person has to say, okay, what, what's my ideal life going to look like? What do I need? What do I want? People that are picking this kind of a career path are usually a little nontraditional, um, or it's common in their field. And the other thing, too, for some of them, it's the way into some of these big companies. You do a part-time gig um, or a contract thing, they like you, they offer you a full-time job. I mean, Microsoft and a lot of the tech worlds, they have been doing that for years and years mm-hmm. and years. And um, just to give you an example, you know, I live in Seattle where Microsoft is. They have about 75 or 80, well, now they bought LinkedIn. Let's not count those people yet. Uh, let's say they have 100,000 employees, but they probably have 100 to 125,000 contractors on top of that. Yeah, and I agree with you. That's this. There's this new tribe before you buy. Actually, it's not that new. Um, and a lot of people feel nervous about that because they think, well, I'm going to quit my, my full-time job and this company wants me to be a contractor for six months before they offer me something. And, and it is a little scary. But to, to the point we were talking about before, Robin, I don't think security exists even in a full-time job. I think that is false security, which is why I like the gig economy because it does kind of force you to stay on your toes, stay up with your skills, keep marketing yourself keep developing yourself. And I think that, regardless of whether you're in the gig economy or not, needs to be what people are thinking about. Okay, everybody in the audience, that was very sage advice. So <laughs> sound bite, sound bite. <laughs> yeah, listen to what she said. Keeping up with your skills, remaining marketable. I mean, what I'm seeing is a lot of people in their 50s and early 60s losing their jobs because the company is saying, okay, we're done with you. We want, we want you to go. And you may not be ready to leave, but they are kicking you out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, part of the reason is that people haven't kept up with new and innovative skills and that they haven't remained marketable. They haven't, they haven't had that focus for the last maybe 10 or 15 years on the career that we have in the 20s and the 30s and sometimes into the 40s where we're really, uh, you know, got to get going. I've got to get this. I'm going to do that. You know, it, it changes. Um, but the way the contract world works is it's a little more creative, and you're in the driver's seat. Now, if you're the type of person that wants to go and get hired and never, ever look for another job for the rest of your life, this may not be the road. Right. Um, and you're, you're uniquely you qualified to talk about this because you've got this book over, over 40 and you're hired and you right. work a lot with individuals who are struggling with this. And I know a lot of our listeners struggle with this, Robin, because they, they call all the time. And hey, that's a good reminder for me. Hey, if you want to talk to Robin Ryan or you have a question on the gig economy or over 40 and you're hired, um, 
give us a call at 844 Wharton. That's 844-942-7866. If it is Thursday at noon, we are live. Michelle is taking your calls and we'd love to hear from you. Or you can tweet at Dr. Don Graham. So so let's talk a little bit about this. I know your new book is talking about retirement too. So is the gig economy this this kind of, um, you know, uh, idea, a good idea for people who are moving into that stage of their career where maybe they're not ready to retire quite yet, but they're ready to do something new. Well, and that's the piece. They want to do something different. So they may be done with the government job that they had, or they're done with the, you know, the planning or the high stress, and now they want to do something fun. And so they're looking at this whole thing is, how can I go about and do something that I think is just fun? Um, so, so it's a, almost like a relief that I don't have to have that high pressure. Now, many of these gig jobs, some of them pay very well, and some of them don't pay very well. So you have to really pay attention. You have to look around. You have to do your research. You have to network, network, My network. favorite word. I didn't even tell you to use it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And so Don and I love this word. Yes. Okay. We, we are in sync on this. <laughs> so, um, but that's really critical. And I think that's a part of what scares people is that they think, well, I'm going to have to sell myself. I'm going to have to sell my skills over and over and over again. And, you know, the interview for one job is bad enough, but I'm going to be in this constant state of of interviewing um, for, for new gigs. And so I think that scares a lot of people away. Think about it in this respect. Number one, you'll be making more money. You'll be paid more per hour. And number two, you may find a company that you never would have connected with that you like, and they like you. They may become a permanent client. Lots of consultants did Elance, and a lot of these consultants and and people that are coaches and so on did these part-time gigs only to get a full-time, long-term contract. Maybe it's part-time, but they still got some base money coming in Mm -hmm. from a high-paying company and a high-paying client. Um, You know, I do a lot of work for Boeing. And they are a wonderful base for me and have been for years. So if you're a consultant, having something that's solid that you can depend on that you know you're going to be able to pay your rent with makes a big difference. Yeah. Hey, if you're in the gig economy or you've tried it or you're interested in trying it, we want to hear from you. 844-WHARTON. That's 844-942-7866. I think there's a lot of positives, but I also think, Robin, that there, there are definitely some drawbacks to it. Like what, what do people do about benefits, for example? Well, there's the, there's the challenge because part-time jobs, there's usually not benefits unless you're working at Starbucks, and then you're a barista and you're making like 13 or 14 bucks an hour. So that's not what we're talking about. Um, you're probably paying for your own benefits unless you're a full-time contractor. If you work full-time for a contract company, and that could be like labor-ready or it can be, you know, so-and-so tech uh, contractor, it doesn't really make a difference who it is. If you work more than, I think it's 30, 32 hours in a week consistently, they offer medical benefits. Now, what you don't get is you're not getting the 401k, you're not getting, you know, the free lunches, you're not getting the free gym and all the other things that the employees get, but oftentimes you're paid a higher hourly wage than the employee is getting paid. Yeah, so you have to kind of learn to to manage and budget in a way that you take that money and maybe set some aside for health care or even right. things like disability or, or other benefits that you would get if you were a full-time employee. And one thing I find, too, is that, um, believe it or not, you probably think, okay, this sounds like only women are doing this. It's full of men. This is, a, this is an area where you see more and more men gravitating to it. They like the flexibility. Um, they like the idea of not getting stuck at one company. A lot of the younger people are very worried about getting pigeonholed mm-hmm. and stuck at one company where they're going to get stifled because um, they care about their career, but they also care about their personal life, and they don't want the company to take over their life. They are not interested in working 75 or 80 hours a week. They've either been there and done that, or they um, are afraid of that. Mm-hmm. Either way, um, working on a contract basis allows them to work at their own hours. So let's just say um, you know that you've got to take your kids to school at 9 o'clock in the morning. You come back, and then you can start working on your gig. You know, So that gives you flexibility that many working parents want. 
Yeah, I, I think the flexibility is probably one of the most attractive things that comes with it because, like, I mean, it, you can work when it fits your schedule. Um, and like you said, when you work, you get paid. When you don't work, you don't get paid. And I think that's another potential drawback because what happens when you're sick? What happens when maybe your child is sick? And I guess it depends on what you do, but that could that could definitely be something that people worry about when kind of going this way. But hey, if you're in the gig economy thinking about it or just have a career question for me or Robin Ryan, we are here all hour at 844 Wharton. That's 844 942 7866. If it's Thursday, we are live and Michelle is taking your calls all hour. So give us a call. So, okay, so drawback, you're sick, you're not getting paid, or you're stuck in traffic, you're not getting paid. I mean, some of these things are, are challenges. How do you get around those? Well, the first thing, think of this as like you're going to work for a small employer, where that small employer is dependent on you being there. So you want to make sure that you treat this as a very professional, really important job that you've got to show up for. If you become unreliable, your name will pass like wildfire through the networks, and you'll find that you can't get jobs anywhere. So you want to be careful about that. Second, you know, in in the course of your lifetime, you may get um, – have to have a surgery, you may break a bone, you may get an illness, but typically those things last for, you know, six to ten weeks and then you're back on the job. A lot of companies do not offer short-term disability. So you have your vacation days and when you've used up the six vacation days you have left, you are paying for it yourself. Mm -hmm. I always suggest save for a rainy day. So have the savings, yeah money set aside Mm -hmm. so that you can cover bills for at least three months if you're not working three months and and if you have a a, if you're the sole support of your family then it better be six months better be yeah i think six months feels safer to me i think everybody probably has their (laughs) their their amount but i feel like six months would feel safer to me before I left my job. But let's talk about this, Robin. Let's talk about how do you, if you're in a full-time job or you're thinking about moving into the gig economy, where do you even start? I mean, do you do you start looking up companies? Is there a place to apply? What what? Where do you even begin? Well, probably the two um, most pot. Let's let's talk about sectors first. If you're looking in the tech sector and you're in a city where you have a lot of tech. What you want to do is ask around to some people who work inside some of the bigger companies and say, find out for me what agency they use for their contractors. Get me the name of the agency. And then that's where you go and you apply. Mm -hmm. So that's a simple couple little networking thing to do. But for other people, um, Elance, this is where they're looking for web designers. They look for uh, graphic designers. Uh, marketing people, writers, people who can do research or administrative work. And, um, and so you, you set up and look at the jobs that are available and you start bidding on them. And how it works is let's say you bid it for you know, $25 an hour or $30 an hour. They add uh, like an, I don't know, a 7 8% fee on top of that. That's how the site makes its money. And that's a really good resource. It's been around for a long time. It's called E-Lance, L-A-N-C-E. Mm-hmm. Um, other one is um, the Flex Jobs. Are you familiar with Flex Jobs? Yeah, there's there's Flex Jobs. I, f- I feel like there's something with gig in it too, but I can't. Um, I don't have a computer accessible to me right now. But yeah, well, the, the one that I I go to the most is Flex Jobs because it's been around a long time. Um, now it's not a free site. You know, I think okay. you have to pay a small, like, $10 or $15 to participate in it. But there's a lot of really good opportunities there. And so um, if you type into Google, you know, part-time jobs or how to find part-time jobs, you'll see that there's a lot of different sites out there. And if you have a specific area, like how to find part-time nursing jobs, right, you're going to see some special sites might come up for you. So that's another way to do that job hunting. Um, believe it or not, nurses highly sought after, and uh, they're uh, really, really in need. And so, a lot of them have tremendous flexibility. I mean, they can mm-hmm. work, and you know, they can work when they want to and when they don't want to, and command really good salary too. Yeah. And that's probably an area where people wouldn't think that a nurse would be in a gig 
environment. And, and yeah, a lot of them are. And that's, I think that's one of the things I, I was doing some research on this prior to the show. And I remember what it was. It's sologig.com. See, my brain kicks in right, after, right, right. after about 10 seconds. Um, but yeah, I was looking up all the different things. And like I said, everybody's familiar with Airbnb and, and Etsy and some of those more popular ones. But I think step, step one for a lot of people is really just figuring out what are you good at? What do you like to do? What is a skill that you have that mm-hmm. others are willing to pay money for? And I found some really interesting ones. So Tool Locker is where you rent out your heavy equipment. So if you own a forklift, there you go. If it's sitting around doing nothing, you can be renting out. Boat bound, rent out your boat. I neither have a forklift or a boat, but if you do, you can be making extra money by doing this. Um, Roost is one where you rent out unused space in your home or on your property for storage. Again, not something I'll be doing, but... Um, and, and it's becoming popular to rent out a room. Right. Um, there, that's becoming popular, too. A lot of um, uh, people, especially empty nesters, they like the idea of having somebody else in the house mm-hmm. and they're renting out a room. And that includes kitchen privileges. Um, it's probably not as flexible or as, you know, wonderful as having your own space, but it's also not as costly either. In some real expensive cities in the East Coast and the West Coast, it might be a good alternative for you. Yeah, and think about, I mean, flight attendants. They might need a room every now and again. So, I yeah. mean, this might be a good way to go. Geeka 2 is, of course, IT skills. Um, your mechanic, go to people's homes and work on their cars. Now, I would hire that person who's at your mechanic. Um, Schlepp, which is a great name, and their tagline is your neighbor with a truck. I do not have a truck, but again, if you have a truck, you could be making extra money. Here's one, too, I, I was not aware of, but Amazon Flex. You can actually deliver packages with your car for Amazon. Did you know that, Robin? Yes, I did. See, I live see. in Seattle. Yeah, you live in Seattle. There you go. <laughs> and um, just so you know, since you brought it up, mm-hmm. and... Um, Amazon announced that they're going to hire 100,000 um, people from, they made the announcement about two, three weeks ago mm-hmm. through the next year and a half. And a lot of those people are going to be people that are going to deliver packages. Um, it's not a hard gig at all. And you get paid pretty well to do it. Um, the biggest thing is you must be dependable and good with directions or really good with the GPS map phone, you know, on the phone. So, um but they also take the packages and they put them in a sequence. So, like, if you're going to a certain neighborhood, you're going to be delivering all the packages in that neighborhood as opposed to they send you to one part of town and another part of town. Um, lastly, too, they, they're trying to do these things now where you can get it in four hours and really uh, high-paying situation where you get paid a premium if you're willing to be in a situation where you have to go to the warehouse or wherever it might be, pick pick it up out of the locker or wherever and deliver it within, you know, a two-hour time frame. Mm-hmm. Straight from Seattle. Hey, if you're looking for a gig, why not Amazon? They are hiring. Yeah. So, and they're hiring across the country, too. They're not just hiring in Seattle. I just think people don't know that. They have warehouses in different states, too. So uh, go back and look at Jeff Bezos' announcement on Amazon hiring 100,000 people, and you'll see that there's jobs in California and there's jobs in Florida and there's jobs in the Midwest. So... Important to know. Hey, looking for a job? We want to help. Give us a call. We're on Sirius XM Channel 111, and we're taking our calls at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Have a career question, resume question, LinkedIn, or any other question related to your career that you've always wanted to ask, we are happy to answer it for you. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham, the career director here at Wharton MBA for Executives Program, and we are on the phone with Robin Ryan, who is... Coming out with her eighth book. Is it number eight? Am I keeping count? (laughs) Coming back with her eighth book. Uh, She's the author of 60 Seconds and You're Hired. And she um, can be found where? Can you tell them your website, Robin? It's my name, RobinRyan.com, spelled R-O-B-I-N-R-Y-A-N.com. Awesome. So, okay, we are going to go now to my favorite part of the show, the pre-break quiz. Quiz. There's a quiz. Okay. Color psychologists, yes, that's a thing. Color psychologists report that this is the best color to wear during an interview. 
because it indicates that you are trustworthy. Color psychologists report that this is the best color to wear during an interview because it indicates that you are trustworthy. Think you know, give us a call at 844 Wharton. That's 844-942-7866. Or you can tweet your answers to at Dr. Don Graham. And we'll be right back. You're listening to Career Talk on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Here again is Dr. Don Graham. And welcome back to Career Talk, your career insider here on Business Radio. We are powered by the Wharton School, and we are on Sirius XM Channel 111. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. We are here with the Dream Team, Michelle and Dion. And we are very excited to have Robin Ryan back on the show, calling in all the way from Seattle. She is the author of 60 Seconds and You're Hired, and soon to be her eighth book. Do you have a title yet, Robin? Retirement Reinvention. Retirement reinvention. Look for it. When can people find that uh, on the bookshelves? Oh, not for a year. I'm still writing it. <laughs> You're gonna have to wait for it. You're gonna have to wait for yeah. it. Robin's very busy. With, I do have the deal though with Penguin and Random House, so it's a real thing. <laughs> okay. Fabulous. But you say it again, Robin. It's called Retirement Retirement Re- Reinvention. Look for it. Look for it. You're gonna want to get it. So. Um, interestingly, uh, we had somebody call over the the break. They couldn't hold on, but um, they had a great question, and I'm really curious how our listeners feel about this one, too, because um, so his name is Chris, and he's calling him from California, and he was saying that his company just let go 100 employees and replaced those employees with temporary or contract-type workers, and he's worried that this is kind of the wave of the future, and I thought, this is really interesting because... Um, yeah, I mean, he's concerned. Is this what companies are doing to save money? Is this, you know, going to affect everybody going forward? I mean, so what are your thoughts on that, Robin? Um, usually it's not a national trend um, because most of the big companies have used contractors for years. So it's not a big thing there. And some of the some of the organizations have policies that say we can't fire full-time employees and bring in contractors. But if your company is doing that, that's a red flag to you to say, hey, my company may be in trouble. Maybe they're going to get bought here. Um, um, they're having cash flow issues, and so they're trying to reduce the cash flow and the cost of not paying all the benefits and so on and so forth. So for me, if I was this guy, Chris, I'd be thinking about time for me to start looking for a new job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm curious for, with our listeners. Are, hey, are you guys excited about this gig economy and this flexibility, or is this something that that is a little bit scary and unnerving? Um, we'd love to hear from you. Eight four four Wharton. That's eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. Robin, it sounds like your dog has an opinion on that. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> no worries. No worries. We yeah. love animals. We yeah. love animals. So yeah. So so yeah. You can't let go people and bring on a contract workforce. But as new positions are being created, I think more and more companies are thinking, well, you know, this way we won't have to lay off people in the future if we do contract and kind of if it's a seasonal type work or if it's something where uh, maybe it's a, a temporary project or things of that nature. I mean, I think you're going to find that it, it's going to be that these jobs are are more gigs than full time. And the other thing, keep in mind, too, that um Companies also see contract workers as great people that fill in, do the job where they have work that they need done, but they know there's a difference between that and the employee. And here's the thing. The employee can move up. The employee can be, you know, innovative and um, say what they think and whatever. And that people that do contract work are sometimes viewed as um, just a little less important and even though they're doing the same work and they're, you know, the, the only difference is maybe they don't have the badge. Uh, but, but in terms of management's views, they, are, they do look at you differently. Mm-hmm. Now, they do like to poach them. They like to go through and see, is there anybody here that we should poach and make a, a permanent employee and that we want to keep on a long-term basis that we don't want to lose? Mm-hmm. So um, it, it's, but it's been around for a long time in terms of contracting. Now, the, the true 
innovative, creative gig stuff has probably been around more in the last 10 years. You're hearing about it more because everybody, their grandmother, their sister, and their brother has decided, I have a car so I could do Uber, <laughs> and, um, and I can provide rides for people. Um, I think that, that they built that whole structure, and they've gotten so much publicity. So people have a misconception of, you know, who does this kind of work. Yep. Hospitals are full of contract workers. Yep. I mean, I've been contract worker in large corporations, and, you know, there's been times when, when they said, oh, we want to bring you on as a full-time employee, and the salary I was making as a contractor was so much better. I'm like, no, no, keep me as a contractor. We're going to go to Mike in Montana. Mike, welcome to Career Talk. What's on your mind today? Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Hi. I'm, uh, I'm a uh, UPS long-haul driver, and I'm listening to your radio on XM, and I uh, was just wondering if I should be nervous about some of the trends that are coming coming down. I know UPS and Amazon have kind of have a love-hate relationship the last couple of years. A few years back, we couldn't keep up with their volume, and uh, they were looking for different options even back then. Um, this year was a lot better. We brought in enough people to, to handle it, but I think there's still some some issues that need to be ironed out. And I'm wondering if, if Amazon is just going to say, you know, let's just buy UPS or something. <laughs> I, don't, hmm. I don't know. I'm just wondering if, if what, what some of the trends you see coming our way for long-haul trucking? So, okay, the buy UPS, just so you know, UPS is a really big, expensive company to buy. And they're not interested in being sold. So that also is um, something to keep in mind. But what I see, and, you know, I have a lot of uh, people that I talk to all the time about this kind of position, is the you're in a good spot because we have become so dependent on getting our product out in two days that so many people and so many companies use Prime that we just expect to get whatever it is fast. And the only people that can do that, you know, FedEx, UPS, Amazon. And Amazon can't hire enough people. It doesn't have enough trucks. It doesn't have enough people to do it. As you saw at Christmas time, you know, they're hiring anybody from any agency that can help them. Um, and certainly this year um, they had more volume than last year, and the year before that they had more volume than the year before that. So it's continuing to grow. So I think you've got a lot of job security. And if you wanted to move around, you could do that too. But, you know, that's up to you. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Um, and, and, Mike, you bring up a question that a lot of people have, whether you're working full-time or in a gig-type position. This idea of security, and I, I kind of have to go on a little bit of a, a – a, soapbox here because it is so important that you recognize security is within you. It is not within any company that you'll work for. I worked for Arthur Anderson, which was probably one of the the most established companies when the Enron situation happened. Um, And, and, you know, they have 60,000 plus people laid off within a period of six months. And so you have to realize, and that was the best thing that happened to me because what it made me realize is that security comes from within. It comes from your network, the people you know. It comes from keeping up with your skills, keeping up with your social media, making sure that that you're um, continuing to brand yourself in a way that when, like, should UPS or any company that you work for decide they're going to make a shift or a merger or a change, that you have some ideas already about where you might go or your network, who you might call or what you might do. So I'm not saying you have to live on edge constantly, but I'm saying if you invest a little time, just a little time in your career and your network on an ongoing basis, you're not going to have to worry if your company is going to necessarily lay off because you're going to have a game plan and that's what's important. So we're going to go ahead, Robin, and answer our pre-break question quiz. Okay. So color psychologists report that this is the best color to wear during an interview because it indicates that you are trustworthy. We're going to go to Division, New York. What is your answer? Red. Red. Why'd you pick red? Well, I think red conveys confidence. So it does convey confidence, but it does not, unfortunately, convey trustworthiness. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but I do, I do like red. Actually, color psychologists have said that that I, I did some research on this division. They said that actually 
men prefer women who wear red. So it does it does something, but not necessarily for the interview. So thank you so much for giving us a call on Career Talk. We really appreciate it. Hey, we're taking your calls all hour at 844 Wharton. That's 844-942-7866. And Dion knows I'm coming to him for the answer. What color makes you trustworthy, Dion? I'm going to say blue. Ugh. That that's I think that's two weeks in a row. Dion got the right I, no, answer. I, it's it's three weeks. It's in a three row. weeks. It's I'm, three, I'm, I'm miscounted. I'm three weeks in a row. <laughs> Michelle, is that what you were gonna say? Yes, it was. Oh, of course it was. <laughs> he knew it was right. too, and he just took it. Of he just it took was. it right out front of me. It's fine. It right, yeah. So blue apparently indicates that you're trustworthy. It also happens to be most people's favorite color. Um, so gray and black are also good colors to wear because they're neutral and they give an element of formality and professionalism. And if you're looking to go creative, wearing green or brown will give your interviewer a sense that you are creative. So I don't know. Robin, um, these are things I did not know. But but I think most people like who interview tend to stick in the kind of navy, gray, black yep. um, sort of color spectrum. With the exception of summer, in the heat of the summer, a lot of times people will look for, especially women, will look for a very professional colored dress. And sometimes that's based on whatever the fashionista people have decided are the colors of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think blue and all ranges of blue is a perfect color because it looks good on most people. It's conservative. It's not too flashy. Um, and it also projects some confidence that, you know, you're pretty self-assured. You know your stuff. You know what you're doing. And to me, it's a, a really good choice. And um, let's put it this way. You're not going to go wrong. Uh, we could spend all show talking about what's appropriate to wear to an interview and what not to wear and um, that's a conversation for another day that is and you know but i i I like this question because hey you're looking for a new career maybe color psychology is for you if you like marketing and branding color psychologists are needed so hey and and to devisha's point yes red does indicate confidence and so you know go for the red See how it goes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, okay, back to red the gig. Tie. Red tie. Be, be bold. Red tie. Be bold. <laughs> um, flash of color. So, okay, back to the gig economy. So we've been talking about a lot of things. How do you get in? Um, so identify something you're good at. Identify, uh, you know, maybe some of the websites we mentioned earlier in the show. So now you've decided, you're working full-time, you've decided, I want to kind of dip my toe in the gig economy. Um, how do you do this with, you know, having a full-time job? I mean, do you just cut it off and go right in? Do you you dip your toe in for six months and see how it goes? What is your advice, Robin? Okay, I would say never just quit the day job until you've tried it. So go and see if there's a way for you to pick up something where you could do it in the evening, um, on your free time, or on the weekend. Um, A lot of these things are flexible. Mm -hmm. In other words, you agree to do the project in a week, and you're going to get it to them in a week. Now, obviously, if it's Uber, it's going to be something different. But look at your evenings. We used to call it moonlighting. And the reason why you want to do that is because you want to try it out to make sure it's going to work for you before you have gone and, you know, left behind the job that you have. The other thing, too, you may find that there's problems that you didn't know about, that you don't like it as much as you thought you would. Or you may find, I love this but I really am going to need a couple of classes and some more training before I'm going to be strong enough to be able to make top dollar. So that's the other piece because, you know, your skills got to be good. And we talked about branding earlier. If you become an expert, if you become the one, the kind of the go-to person that's really good at this, somebody's always going to want to hire you. You're never going to have to worry about it. Yep. Um, And the other thing I wanted to bring up that, um, you know, I get a lot of questions on, and this is actually kind of, I'm kind of turning the tables for a second. Um, A lot of people who are in the gig economy and, you you know, maybe it wasn't what they thought it would be, want to go back to full time. How do they do that? I get questions about that. You know, what do I do with my resume? You know, does it look like I've been jumping around? Um, Those types of things. So if you're in kind of a gig part-time contractor type role for a few years, how do you get back into a full-time corporate role, Robin? You put down on the resume what the job title was. So let's just say the job title was marketing specialist. And then you do marketing specialist, comma, contractor. And then you can say clients included. And you can list some of the bigger companies or the company names that you worked for. Mm 
and the full dates. When did you start this? And, you know, to present, if it's still something active, or to 2016 or 17, whenever it ended. And then you start networking. Mm-hmm. Look at the companies you've worked at already. Who did you meet there? Do you know anybody there that might be able to recommend you not only inside but to people at other organizations? Because they're familiar with your skills. And, of course, go to LinkedIn. Make sure you have created uh, a top-notch profile. And it seems to me like that should be easy for people. But what I'm finding, and, Don, maybe you can chime in on this, it's really hard because I write them all the time for clients. They come and they say, I really need help with this. They don't understand how to self-market themselves, which I think shows like yours are so important because you're really giving out such great advice. Thank you, Robin. I appreciate that. (laughs) Hey, if you'd like more great advice, you can follow my blog, dawnoncareers.com. If you'd like more information from Robin, where can they find you, Robin? Um, As you drink water. I have a free newsletter. And they can sign up for that at robinryan.com. And that newsletter, too, um, it's an article, uh, help you advance your career, help you find a new job, help you write a better resume. comes out every two weeks. Perfect. So if you're just tuning in, you're listening to SiriusXM Channel 111. We are Career Talk, and we are taking our calls throughout the hour at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. How do you feel about the gig economy? Excited about it? Do you feel like it's going to um, totally take away jobs at your company? Are you in the gig economy? Is it going well? Do you hate it? We want to know. 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. We're here with Robin Ryan talking all gig economy. Um, so, okay, so we talked about you want to get into the gig economy, you want to get out of the gig economy, what do you be doing with your resume and things of that nature. So if you're an entrepreneur, you want to be an entrepreneur, you're not an entrepreneur, is this a good way, like a stepping stone to see if you like kind of being an entrepreneur? Um, it can be because you still have some income coming in. And I tell people, if you're going to start a business, you need to have income coming in because you're not going to be earning money right away. In fact, I talked to a guy yesterday who said, I need to go find a job. I've been um, working for the last two and a half years on a startup, and we're out of money. I've used all the money I have. I don't have anybody to invest. I've got this great app, but it's still got to be tested, and we've still got to do this. I said, how much money are you looking for? He goes, about 200000 Hmm. He's trying to find investors, and he basically has got to go to work. The wife is retiring because the company did the golden handshake and said, okay, thank you, but you're done. And so he's like, I have to go back to work. Um, So, you know, people, when they're trying to do startups, you have to be really careful. Franchises, um, business models that have existed before, business models that come with some kind of infrastructure are going to be a lot easier But um, a lot of people like that idea of freedom and being their own boss. And in the gig economy, you really are your own boss. You don't like, you get a gig and you don't like it, you're done. You can just go and say, thank you, I'm going to do something else. Yeah, which is it is kind of cool, but it's also a little bit scary because you don't get paid if you walk away. That's so, right. <laughs> you know, having done the independent thing, um, I find that 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 can be kind of a struggle because you know, given the choice, yeah, maybe there's some some clients I might not have taken, but. Given the mega account situation, I think I might need to take them. Mm-hmm. So, I agree. so it definitely is a risk. But on that note, Robin, we we kind of touched on this earlier, but I I'm wondering what types of personalities do you feel are best suited for this kind of gig economy, this flexible work, this kind of um, you know, it's a little bit risky for some people, though I would argue that, that full-time companies carry risk with them as well. But what kind of personalities? So if people are thinking, is this for me, what so should they be thinking? Usually they're creative. They like variety. Um, the, the idea of going to a job and doing the same thing every day for the rest of their life makes them nauseous. Um, so they're, they're a different, you know, they just... Like, think of the people that are in the movie business and that go from one film or one television show to another or one commercial to another. I mean, these people, whether you're the lighting person or the camera person or the marketing person, I mean, that's a, you know, you don't realize it, but it's a gig thing. And when the gig's done, you know, you don't know if you're going to go back to work because you don't know if it's going to get a sequel and you don't know if it's going to get, um, if the TV show's going to continue on. So for a lot of people... You know, not having that whole need for security, 
Security comes from, I think, childhood, how people are raised. Um, the more analytical you are, the more scared you might get. Um, a lot of those people gravitate towards jobs like with governmental agencies or big Fortune 500s where they think they're never going to get laid off. Um, they, they are not adventuresome people. They just aren't. And I would I would argue that if you're in the gig economy, you actually have more security because you're constantly keeping your skills up. You're constantly building your network. You recognize what it takes to market yourself. And so you're you're in a in a situation where those skills are are always being used. So I, I would argue that there's a security that comes with that. That's a different type, but one that is very important. And we're going to go to Jeremiah in Oregon. Jeremiah, what's on your mind today? Welcome to Career Talk. Hi, Dr. Don. I listen to your show. I'm uh, an Uber and Lyft driver full time. Welcome. And I constantly look forward to listening to your show. Well, thank you. I learn a lot. But I just wanted to mention that if you're planning on being an entrepreneur or trying to dip your toe in the water, doing something in the gig economy like driving for Uber and Lyft or using Airbnb or Fiverr, those are actually great ways to learn the actual practical business skills. Ooh, good call. So That's true. So it's it's kind of like uh, it's kind of like you have your MBA, right, Jeremiah? Yes, I do. You do. So this is kind of like the the practical MBA. Exactly, and then it's the, the way you look at it too. So when I drive. I drive the morning crowd specifically because I want to come across working professionals and I want to talk to people and see what's on their mind, what are they thinking about, what are their needs, what are the problems people are having because by doing that, I kind of look at it as not me being paid as a, excuse me, as a, an Uber driver or Lyft driver, but as a market researcher. I love it. I love the strategy you got going yeah. on. That's Uber good. and Lyft to build your network. Now, now I have to ask you because now you've got me really intrigued. So, so is anything like come out of this business connection wise? Actually, I'm starting with I've been working long hours to try to launch my blog on Monday, which is modnav.com, M-O-D-N-A-V.com. And it's going to be talking about things like entrepreneurship, the, the new economy, uh, how we can actually try to survive and make you know, extra sources of revenue, um, even if you're not really trying to go full-time as an entrepreneur. Uh, so that's come because I've talked to a lot of people, especially a lot of young people when I'm taking them to school, and they have no idea why they're going to school in the first place. But they're yes. just kind of... Boy, isn't that the truth. See, I'm going to go to school and pay $100,000 to figure out what I want to do. No, 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 no. (laughs) No, that's that's backwards. Exactly. You can find out a lot cheaper (laughs) than that. So, okay, Jeremiah, I don't usually do this because we are are not a marketing-type show. But because you're right on topic and because I think your blog is going to help people, go ahead and say it one more time. It is modnav, M-O-D-N-A-V dot com, and it'll be launching on Monday, President's Day. Launching on Monday, President's Day. Well, Jeremiah, thank you so much for giving us a call at Career Talk and for listening. And I love your strategy about using your um, your gig economy job to build your network. And I, I also think what you said is really important, that this is a great way to build practical business skills about managing your time, managing your budget, managing your money, managing how you market yourself, um, assessing clients you want to take and clients you don't want to take, learning about like tons of different people. So Jeremiah, you totally put a new spin on this that I hadn't even thought of. So thank you for listening. Thank you for giving us a call on Career Talk. And best of luck with your blog. You can give us a call at 844-WHARTON. That's 844-942-7866. So Robin, he is an enterprising guy. Um, And you know what? There's a lot of people just like him out there that want to be able to control their future, control where they're going, control their life balance. And, you know, that I think that what happens is when people are job hunting, they just don't think about the contract world. They don't think about any the gig economy at all um, unless they've already been immersed in it. Mm -hmm. So this kind of show, you know, is important because you're educating people and you're telling them, here's something new, here's something maybe you haven't thought of. And you can do some research, and I'm sure that there's information on the Wharton website regarding this show. And Dawn said she does a blog. You should definitely sign up for that. 
but here's a, a, a real creative way for you to make money that you probably didn't even think about. Yeah, and not only make money, but I love the fact that he's using this to network and, and kind of broaden, Absolutely. take his skills that he learned in his MBA and, and apply them and, and say, is this right for me? Because that's a it's a great thing um, when people can actually try something to figure out if they want to do it. And so many people, as you know, Robin, try and figure it out in an assessment or in a book or what oh, do yeah. I want to do? What's my passion? What's all this stuff? And it's like sometimes the only way to really know is to try it. Absolutely, and and to try different things. Like, give yourself permission, too, is if you take on something and you try it out and you don't like it, give yourself permission to quit. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of people out there that feel like, okay, well, I said I'd do this and I can't quit. Uh Uh-uh, you can quit, especially in this, in the gig economy, you can just move from one place to another very, very easily, very simply. So and that I think is important to know. Well, not only do you build different skill sets, but I think I think people get a little bit nervous and okay, I moved to all these places in the gig economy, figured out what I want to do, but then how do I pull all these together and market myself for like one kind of specific path? So um, what would you recommend, Robin? Well, when you're looking at where do I want to go, what kind of job do I want to do, identify what are you interested in, what are you good at, what do you enjoy, and try to put them together. Like, notice, he's driving the car, right, this, this person we just talked to. And Jeremiah, he's driving the car, but he says, I'm doing the morning gig because I want to talk to business professionals. I want to know what they're thinking about. I want to mm-hmm. know what their problems are. And, you know, I use a car service a lot, and some of them, you know, say hello to you, and some of them talk to you a lot about different things. You could learn a lot in that hour that you're driving that person. You might be driving the CEO or a VP, and, you know, so you're going to be able to get kind of a clearer picture of what's happening in the marketplace and how you can fit and how you can serve the needs. Mm-hmm. Yep. I love I love when you, the, the strategy is there. Hey, um, Twitter question. Amdrapsis uh, asked, do you have a list of gig economy bests of anywhere? So um, guess what? I'm going to go ahead and put what I found in my research on Twitter. So if you follow me at Dr. Don Graham, you will see that list come out after the show. Great question. Amdrapsis. That's hard to say. Um, <laughs> people Ryan are... wants that list, too. Oh, so, right. <laughs> Perfect. I will. I will copy you on the tweet. See, that's okay. It's all good. So, as we wrap up, Ryan, and we, we the hour always goes by so fast. So, so we talked a lot about the gig economy and kind of the wave of the future. And um, you've got a book coming out. Um, can what is your advice to people who are kind of looking at the next five years and saying, well, what what should I be aware of in this gig economy? What should I be doing to to really prepare myself for the changes in the marketplace? So depending on the part of the country, because certain parts of the company, like, for example, the employment market, unemployment is as low as it can possibly be here in Seattle. But that's not necessarily true in in some of the more um, smaller towns and uh, different urban areas in the Midwest and different parts of the country. So depending on where you live, you have to look at what kind of opportunities are happening where I live, where I'm at. People are always going to, um, and can I do things online? So I'm providing a service to somebody where it doesn't matter where I live, because if you live in an area and it's very rural, or you live in an area where, you know, the company just laid off a whole bunch of people, think about doing something where that, that whole gig thing is done. You make the commitment online. Maybe you're creating a marketing plan for them. Um, maybe you're baking them something. Maybe mm-hmm. you're actually making them a product or you're and sending it to them. <laughs> you're renting out your forklift or your boat because yeah, all these opportunities are out there and yeah, you can... I would you... like to test your boat to see how that service <laughs> yeah. is and I'd be happy to yeah. use social media to tell people about it. Yeah, I don't, I don't have a boat, but but if I did, Robin, you'd be the first one to test drive it. So, Robin, where can people reach you for more information? Um, you can write me at Robin, R-O-B-I-N, at RobinRyan.com. Um, you can go to my website, which is RobinRyan.com, uh, my office number, 425-226-0414, and that's the number here in Seattle. I will tell you this, though, a secretary answers, so you don't reach me directly. Thank <laughs> you, Michelle Dion. It's been an awesome show. Thank you to all our callers. You've been listening to Career Talk, and we will see you next time.